It's time to run the pass. Today's guest is Patrick Mitchell. He's a certified executive chef. He was a member of the American Culinary Federation. He's also the 2016 USA National Chef of the Year for the ACF. Um, he's competed all over the world in the Culinary Olympics and Hotel Olympia, numerous hot and cold salons. Um, he used to be my chef. He's also the president of the EWMCS uh, USA chapter, which is the Epicurean World Master Chef Society. He's got a lot of awards. He's got a lot of experience. And I'm really excited to get into the conversation today and catch up with my old chef and mentor, Patrick Mitchell. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Andre. Good to see you. Good to see you too. I want to get right into it. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that we worked together in the past. I, I, I uh, consider you my chef mentor. And one of the things that attracted me to come work for you uh, so many years ago was the competitive aspect of culinary competitions, culinary salons, um, and your involvement with the American Culinary Federation. So for those people that don't know what the American Culinary Federation is, can you just kind of give, you know, kind of a high level overview of what that is? Sure. So the American Culinary Federation is the National Chefs Association, if you will, and the um, ACF, as it's called, governs kind of everything to do with chefs regarding certification and those kind of things. The, uh, the government uh, several years ago said that we need to have some sort of um, standardization, and the ACF said, look, we're, we're the uh, experts in that field. We're going to go ahead and do that. So they set up the certification program. They set up competitions. There's all kinds of things like that over the years that they have for people to become involved. And it's a great organization to be involved in because it's more than just an association. You obviously get the networking, but it's it's developing your culinary skills, whether it be through competition or through preparing for certification and things like that. It's um, it's a great uh, organization to, to help push culinarians and mm. uh, as well as network. So I want to talk, I want to stop right there. I want to talk about certification. You know, I reached out to you the other day because I have someone that's interested in getting certified as a, I believe, certified sous chef. Um, um, what are the different levels of certification uh, within the American Culinary Federation and how does one go about uh, to achieve this certification? So there's a, a number of levels, and I, I'm not going to be able to remember them all off the top of my head, but you got certified culinarian, certified sous chef, certified uh, chef de cuisine, certified executive chef, certified master chef. On the other side, uh, on the savory or on the sweet side, you've got certified working pastry chef, uh, certified executive pastry chef, certified master pastry chef. And then there's also uh, personal chef culinary educators and, and administrators. There's, there's a number of different certification levels. The first thing to do would really be go to the American Culinary Federation website and see what they have to say, you know, I mean, not what they have to say, but see what their, their website shows for the different levels and what you believe you would be uh, ready for based on uh, experience, work experience, and that kind of stuff. In order to really get that process started, you do have to contact them and get pre-approved. But certification is open to anybody, whether you're a member of the ACF or not. Again, going back into, if the ACF wants to, to govern that whole certification process, they have to make it available to everybody. So you don't have to be a, a member of the ACF to, to get certified. And what do you think some of the uh, some of the advantages are for someone who is looking to pursue certification? If they said, why why should I become a certified sous chef or chef de cuisine or executive chef? Or what are some of the advantages um, with certification? 
you know, certification validates uh, your work experience and it validates it on a national level. There's this level that's out there good across the country. So if a candidate comes up and says, I'm a certified executive chef or a certified sous chef or, or whatever level, and they're in New York and they're talking to somebody in Texas, you know, they know what that level is, what they're capable of because of that standard that the, the American Culinary Federation has put out. Uh, so like I say, it, it really validates the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, oh yeah, I've done this and I've done that. Once you've got that certification, it says that you uh, have proven to a set of proctors in an exam that you can indeed do that. So um, I think that's probably the, the primary reason to get certified. And you're, you're a culinary proctor, correct, for uh, certification exams? Yes, sir. And so are all the exams very similar, like certified sous chef, certified chef de cuisine, certified executive chef? I, I would assume that the complexity of the certification uh, changes as you, as you kind of go up the different levels. It does. The um, entry-level certified uh, culinarian, you know, they're looking for um, some butchery skills on breaking down a whole chicken. They're looking for some knife cuts on vegetable cuts to, to see that you have the precision work there. You do have to cook the chicken. You have to make an entree. You have to do a starch and a vegetable and, and, uh, and compose that. So there's some time management in there. You get up to the next level certified sous chef, you know, there's some other specific techniques that they're looking for, you know, how to clean an artichoke, how to fillet a, a fish, a flatfish specifically, poaching that flatfish, making an entree with that, a couple of other things. You get up to the certified executive chef level. Now you're putting together a three-course menu, a salad, a fish course, and an entree. But in that, you have to break down a chicken. You have to break down a, a, a round fish. You have to uh, utilize a couple of lobsters prepare an artichoke, do, do all these things. So the complexity gets more uh, involved, uh, forcing you to show different techniques, as well as have a, a, a really good organizational skill there to show that you know you have a plan, that you're working the plan, that you're working clean, sanitation is taken into a consideration, as well as um, taste, then of course at the end and presentation. So, you know, I'm, I'm playing dumb as I'm asking you these questions. I know, I know some of the answers to the questions that I'm asking. It's more, it's more, it's more for the audience. But, uh, you know, for people, that, for people that don't know, since I've worked with you, and so I, I'd say, you know, for people that don't know, we, we go way back to the year 2000 around uh, the Y2K hysterias when I, I think I started working for you. But ever since uh, the certified executive chef examination criteria was explained, you know, some artichokes, a lobster, uh, a, a, a whole salmon, a chicken, and preparing dishes. That has stuck with me since back then. And since then, that has become the prerequisite for every culinary interview I've done since we've worked together. So anyone that has ever worked for me that's applying for a sous chef job, uh, an executive chef job, a chef de cuisine job, uh, whatever whatever type of uh, chef job, if you're working in a kitchen where Andre Natera happens to be the chef, that's the cooking practical that I give to to people. So I give them those four ingredients and I say, you can use whatever you want in the kitchen, but I want to see a dish prepared from uh, from the artichoke, the chicken, the salmon and and the lobster. And I, I've been doing that exam ever since you, you know, ever since you and I had spoke about that years back. And we I'll tell you what. Together when we work together, right? Yep. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, for me, and I'm sure and I'm, and I'm telling you, but maybe for the audience, um, as a chef that's seen this 
uh, culinary interview and you've seen it from a uh, from a competition or from a certification standpoint, I could tell right away who's going to do well uh, in the interview and who's not. You could see right away, okay, I'm very familiar with chickens or I'm very familiar with artichokes or I don't know how to work with an artichoke and I'm going to give it to the call me to do it to, to hide the fact that I'm that I'm unable to or, you know, I'm maybe going to serve the choke as a garnish or, you know, these thistles. You know, I've seen it all and I'm sure you have as well. But it's amazing. I, I, I find it fascinating how much you could tell about a chef by, you know, some of the most basic vanilla ingredients. And, you know, one of the things that you said to me that stuck with me is that uh, with the chicken, you could showcase so many skills. You could make a farce. You could roast the chicken. You could trust the chicken. You could uh, make a sauce out of the chicken. You can showcase butchery. You could showcase brining. Like uh, you could braise it. So much of your skill set as a chef can just be demonstrated with a simple, humble roasted chicken or, or so on and so forth. And it's amazing how these very vanilla ingredients, if you can make a chicken taste good, you can make a duck taste good, you can make a pheasant taste good. Uh, if you can make a salmon taste good, you could probably make a halibut taste good or anything like that. Um, and those were some of the lessons that you taught me early on that I've, I've carried uh, throughout my career. So anyway, I, that's anecdotal. I thought we'd share it with the audience. Some of the things that they ask for, especially at that certified executive chef level, is not just fabricate a chicken and then prepare a dish with the chicken, but you have to prepare that chicken two ways. You have to make four different por- four four portions of the that dish, and you get one chicken. So you can't just bring in two chickens and take the chicken breasts off, and and make that. You have to find a way to get four portions out of two chicken breasts and four portions out of two chicken legs and thighs. So it it it, it causes that that candidate to think about it a little bit. Only four. I make them do a hundred, a hundred <laughs> variations. Well, yours is easy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For the audience that's out there, I'm not kidding. It's a hundred. So, you know, let's, let's move forward and let's talk a little bit about competitions. Now I know for people that don't know you, uh, you are the ultimate competitor. I, I know you've, uh, uh, you've competed in culinary Olympics. You've competed in hotel Olympia. Uh, you've competed in numerous culinary salons. I, I think you have more awards than, uh, than I have fingers and toes to count. But, you know, kind of walk people through what are some of the different competitions that someone could get involved in, you know, maybe from a very entry level, uh, you know, my first competition to world-class competitions and everything in between. Sure. Well, you know, much like certification, the ACF has uh, established a criteria for competitions. They have uh, ACF-sanctioned competitions, which, which are nationally recognized in order to uh, have an ACF nationally uh, recognized competition, you have to bring in judges for that competition off of the approved list of ACF judges. This is so that the standards are the same across the country. Again, back to New York, California, Chicago, Texas, wherever you're at, a gold medal is a gold medal, a silver medal is a silver medal. So people understand that. There's also what they call local competitions. So here in the state of Texas, we have the Texas Chefs Association, and we'll have local competitions. Those competitions, we can set our own criteria. We can set our own rules. That medal is not recognized across the country because nobody really knows what the criteria was in that local competition as opposed to what what it is if it's an ACF competition. So um, those are really the, the places to get started. If you're interested in competing, try and find a local competition. It's not going to be as difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a great um, area to, to jump off into. There's a number of different types of competitions. There's cold salons, which is kind of the culinary Olympics that you spoke to. 
the World Cup in Luxembourg is, is a cold salon for the most part. The national teams compete in a hot competition there. What, what is the cold, cold salon? What's the difference between a cold salon, uh, you know, or hot food presented hot competition? A, a cold salon is when you prepare the food in your own kitchen, you slice the terrine if, if that's what you're making, and you lay it out on a platter, but every slice is glazed with aspic and it's sealed. It uh, gives it a good shine, but more than anything, it protects it from drying out in the air. So you, you prepare all that stuff and you, you lay it out on a platter or plates or whatever category you're entering. And then you take it to the show and you put it on a table and it sits there static. The judges come by and they take a look at it. Those competitions are, are kind of going through a, a morph right now where they're trying to look at the fact that, you know, the shame of those competitions is it, create, it requires an awful lot of skill to do that. But then at the end of the day, you're throwing all that food away because nobody can eat it. It sat out for so long. Now they're, they're looking mm -hmm. at doing edible buffets where it's that kind of static display, but you're preparing it in a controlled kitchen area. And then you're plating it up on a platter and you're putting it out and the judges come immediately and they, they look at it, score it, taste it and all that stuff. So those are static displays, cold salons. Then there's hot, hot competitions and hot competitions can range from a one person mystery basket where you're given ingredients and you have you know so much time to prepare so many so many plates or there's um team competitions or there's other category type competitions where you can know what the ingredient is going to be before you go to the, the competition so you can practice and you can have your recipes done bring your ingredients in and then you just cook it on site and it's tasted and, and observed and and all that. Uh, there's also vegetable carving competitions. There's there's all kinds of uh, competitions out there now. Ice carvings and um, cake decorating and, and and whatnot. So there's there's a wide variety of competitions out there available. And as a competitor, do you personally have a preference? Do you prefer the hot competition or do you prefer the cold competition? Uh, you know what? I really started out in the cold competition uh, venues and uh, competed. Um, for years in that and then switched over to the hot competition uh, and really enjoyed that. I think it gave you an opportunity to do some, some more creative stuff. That, that cold competition was very taxing back in the days when I was doing it because it was a very large category and it really required you to stay up all night long glazing mm -hmm. with aspic and, and, and meticulously because they're looking for little tiny bubbles in the aspic. They're looking for everything. So it, it was a very tedious work and and I'm telling you, you'd get maybe, you know, a couple hours of sleep one night, and then the next night you're up all night long, you know, to set up. The the hot competitions I, I found were um, uh, a lot of fun in the end there. I also know you competed in the, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the ACF National Chef of the Year. Is that correct? That's correct. I won that. I won uh, ACF National in uh, 2016. So that's a hot food competition, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That was, yeah. So and that's a, have, and that's a that's a big one, right? I mean, for people that don't know, that's that's basically your equivalent of Chef of the Year for the American Culinary Federation. Right. That's exactly what it was. So yeah. when you're when you're in that competition, what kind of things are going through your mind? I mean, you've been competing for a number of years. Uh, do you have any pre-competition rituals to get in the zone of what you need to do? How do you how do you prepare mentally for something that taxing? Well, you know, um, that competition was a series of competitions that led up to the national competition. I had to first compete in the regional competition as an individual competitor. Uh, I, I submitted and I got selected in the top four, and the top four of us competed in the region. 
And then the winner of that went on to compete at national. And there was four regional winners across the country. And we all met at the ACF national convention and cooked there. But, you know, it's, it's really a, that, in, that particular competition, both the regional and national, they let us know what the ingredients were going to be uh, shortly before the competition. So we had time to prepare in our, in our minds what our menu was going to be. Um, when I got to the national level, I was allowed to bring two apprentices with me. Uh, those two apprentices could not handle any of the proteins. They could do anything else in the kitchen that I wanted them to do, but um, they couldn't do any of the fabricating of the protein. They couldn't do any of the cooking or the, the processing or anything like that of the protein. But, um, you know, they, they did observe and, and score me on how well I directed the apprentices and worked with them and and all that. Mm -hmm. So back to your original question, the, the preparation really starts well in advance. I don't have any kind of uh, strange rituals or any that I want to share with you or the audience right now. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's really a, a matter of uh, knowing your program. You know, I, I practiced that competition probably 10 times before I, I went in there and I got the, the apprentices and we got the ingredients and we went into a kitchen and, and, and did the whole run through set up and everything. And then after it was done, you know, I had uh, some coaches that I, I asked to come and critique and um, give me some pointers and, and, and taste. And we tweaked recipes and we did all kinds of uh, um, changes here and changes there until we got mm -hmm. it just where we wanted it. But I, th I think you bring up an interesting point. You're talking about um, about the coaches and having someone come in and give you uh, a critique. And here you've been competing, you know, uh, ever since I've known you. And so, I mean, what would you say, you know, 20, 30 years of, of culinary, 40 years of culinary competitions um, and many gold medals, tons of experience, in addition to also being a judge for competitions. So, you know, for people that don't know, why need a coach? What kind of feedback is your coach giving you that you don't know already? You know, um, that's a great question because, you know, all the years that I've competed, you know, you still look at things through your own lens. And I, I still say, okay, this is going to be great. And I, in my mind, it's great. And then when you get into the process of cooking, the time requirements, the this, the that, the organization of when do you, you know, do, do this step and that step, uh, when it gets onto the plate, it may not be that, that, that I thought. And, and sometimes I'm so tied to it that I think it is that. And you need to have somebody that's going to be honest and say, you know, this isn't, this isn't working. Try this, try that. And then eventually, you know what, it's time to just scrap the whole thing because it's just not going to come out. Um, it's, it's always good to get us another outside opinion looking in from the outside because we all get tied to things that um, we think are going to be great. A great example of that is, is running a kitchen. You know, I remember looking at menu items that I would have on the menu and I would think, man, this is, this is one of the best menu items that we have. You, you run the menu mix off of the register and you take a look at it and it's selling two items of two, two portions a week. And you're thinking, how's that possible? You know, so obviously it's got to go and it doesn't matter what I like. If I didn't look at that menu mix, that would have stayed on the menu, eating up real estate on the menu. But um, it's good to get somebody from the outside looking in. So for people that, um, that are new to competitions, if you had to say, you know, what, what are some of your best pro tips for new competitors to prepare mentally to get in the game? What are your what are your best organizational, mental, strategic tips that you would give someone? Uh, you know, work on one task at a time. Understand what what the order is going to be, um, and and kind of work one task at a time. When you're when you're working on that um, task, 
and you get done, clean the station, get the dirty pots and pans or the knife that you use for that particular task off of the table onto a, another area off of your station, the next knife that you're going to use for the next task, bring that out. So you don't have your whole knife roll hanging there and you don't have all this kind of stuff. So remove clutter, uh, be organized, uh, understand what it is that you want and want to uh, achieve in the time frame that you want to achieve it and, uh, and go at it systematically. Just to clarify, work on one task at a time. There's a thousand different things going on at the same time. But, but when you're on that, that station, if you're butchering, you're butchering and you get all the butchering done and then you put that away and you wrap it up and get it chilled and now you move on to the next thing. You clean and sanitize the station, bring out a new cutting board. Now it's it's vegetable prep, and you're you're starting to do vegetable cuts. That's that's what I'm talking about um, with one task at a time. But get that task complete before you move on to the next thing. One of my uh, one of my chefs, uh, Jordan Sanchez, was competing in the Mentor BKB Young Chef competition a couple of years back, and you came up for a day to kind of give us some coaching tips and and preparation for. Uh, Jordan and his Comey Lauren uh, that were getting ready to go to Las Vegas. Um, you know, they were, they were doing one of their practice sessions. And I remember at one point, you know, you, you talked about all the different organizations and things that they could do. And you said, you know, uh, maybe have this uh, paper towel dispenser so you could just pull one paper towel out at a time. And there were so many little things that you showed us that we, you know, we work in restaurant kitchens that we, we kind of take for granted um, because this is how we operate in the restaurant. But uh, for competition specific, there's so many more uh, efficiencies that one can consider uh, when working in the competition. So um, anyway, I just that that was more just kind of bringing it up for for discussion, but also thanking you for coming down and and working with the team right before they went to the competition. Which, by the way, uh, he came in second right. uh, for that competition, yeah. and it was his first yeah. competition ever. So yeah, it says a lot. Uh, you know how much was in the preparation going for that. Well, thank you. You know, just to, to uh, finish that thought on the on the paper towels, you know, uh, side towels, everybody runs around in a kitchen with a side towel. In a competition, mm -hmm. we don't use side towels at all because all they do is harbor bacteria. You wipe down things, you spread the bacteria around you, this and the other. That's where the paper towels come in. If you if you have if you need potholders, have a potholder. But as far as a wiping down a surface or wiping down your hands, you wipe it down and then you throw that paper towel away and it's done you don't have that bacteria getting spread all over the place. And the judges really uh, take a look at that. And um, from a sanitation standpoint, that's a big, big piece. Well, how much does sanitation play into the competition? Because I remember when when uh, you were doing the trial run with us uh, here in Austin, uh, I want to say Jordan double dipped one time. He dipped his spoon and then he dipped it again. He said, game over, you're done. If a, if a judge sees you do that, you're done, game over. And he, you know, he's like, well, what did I, what did I do? Hands up. I, I, he was completely un, even unaware that he was, uh, that he right. double dipped. Right, right. Um, but it was something that you said, Hey, look, remember when you're, when you're in a competition, you're on stage, they see every little thing that you do. Right. Um, so anyway, can you, can you kind of talk about how much uh, sure. does sanitation or habits, uh, you know, factor into the competition? You know, from a point standpoint, it's probably about 20%, but there's some critical things there. Uh, you know, obviously I'm driving home the point there that that's, that's not acceptable. You can't do that. Um, and, uh, you know, would it really have been game over for him? I don't know. I mean, that's really up to the, to the judges there, but, you know, in a certification exam, sanitation is pass fail. There is no score on sanitation. It is pass or fail. And if you, and if you don't pass the sanitation part of it, you fail the entire exam. You can get, you can ace everything else. 
But if sanitation isn't isn't a pass, then then you don't pass. So it it weighs a lot, but it's hard to say from a point standpoint on the on the score sheets. Yeah, it's maybe twenty percent. Um, ten, I think maybe ten percent. It falls in a category with some other stuff, but um, it's it's a big piece that's hard to put a point designation on. It's very important because you know the other thing is so you know I tell students in in pro star competitions, high school competitions. You know, a lot of times they'll be working with something and they'll cut their finger and then they try and hide it. And I tell them, listen, don't don't hide your cut. I said, you know, I'll tell them that if, if you hide it and get blood in the food, I'm not going to eat the food. I can't score the food. You're done. But if you cut your finger, which is a part of this industry, step away from the, the product, go over, take care of it, wrap it up, put a Band-Aid on it, put a glove on and go back to work. You don't lose points for cutting your finger unless you do something very dangerous and, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to lose points just for cutting your finger. You're going to lose points if you, if you get that blood in the food and don't. And what, what do you mean? What do you mean dangerous? Are you talking <laughs> juggling knives? <laughs> what would be dangerous? You're working with knives. What's more dangerous than that? <laughs> I'm also wondering yeah, what you. if the blood, what if the blood is intended to be in the dish? I mean, to take points on like, hey, it's a, it's a blood sauce, chef. Come on. I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I want to ask about, uh, you know, what competitions do you have next? Do you have any, are you, uh, are, are you, are you coaching anything? Are you getting ready for international competition or anything like that right now? Unfortunately, everything has been kind of shut down um, from, from a competition standpoint. We're starting to see some competitions come up, some individual competitions open up with the American Culinary Federation, but international, I haven't seen anything yet. We are looking uh, we have a team that, that we want to put together and, and, and send out into competition. My role would be gut, uh, coaching and, and judging and, and uh, mentoring. Uh, but what I am working on right now is some students are, um, I'm teaching a class on certification, getting them prepared for that certified sous chef practical exam and going through that whole process with them. We had one one class a couple of weeks ago uh, where we kind of demoed everything and talked about it. Um, this past Saturday, we met again and uh, they did an actual run through. It's a two hour uh, exam for them. I was really impressed with how well they did. But uh, one of the students came up to me during that exam and said that she had tried to prepare for it on her own before and she had no idea. And I don't know if she actually took the exam or if she was just practicing but she had no idea where to start. She had no idea, you know, this, that, or the other. But now that she went to the class and it was explained to her, she understood so much more. And it's a shame that there's so many people out there that are doing that same thing. You know, you go to the website, you take a look at the criteria, you say, oh, okay, I got it. And, and there's, there's so many little things. For example, it's a two-hour class or a two-hour test. You have to fabricate a fish, a, a flat fish in this exam. You have to put that fish on ice. You have to bring it in on ice. You have to work with the, the fillets. When you get the, the fillets out, you put them in a pan and you put that pan on ice and you keep it wrapped. A lot of people think, well, it's a four-hour window for, for foodborne illness. So if it's a two-hour test, it's only going to be out for two hours. I'm fine. And it's not the two hours versus the four hours. It's the notion that the proctors are looking to see that you understand how to properly handle that product how to protect the integrity of that product. 
so there, there's a there's a lot of little things like that that people will miss if they don't talk to somebody and and, and reach out to somebody and find a mentor to to help them. I heard you mention the team aspect. Uh, you know, I, I know you're on a culinary competition team. Can you talk to us a little bit about the team that you're on and and your role and in, in, inside the team? Well, um, right now I'm uh, I'm president of the USA chapter of the the World Master Chef Society, and we have competed for 20 years internationally. Well, it's more than that. We competed. 1992 was the first competition, so we're actually starting our 30th year of the chapter. We were formed in '91. Uh, and I think you were inducted, uh, oh, how long ago was that? Uh, I want to say 2013. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you want to say it, you know, so, um, <laughs> but, you know, we've done uh, team competitions all over the world. We've done uh, uh, in London and in uh, Ireland and France and uh, uh, Germany and, and Luxembourg and Croatia and Budapest and Argentina and um you know, all of these things. We went to Thailand and, and uh, competed over there. Uh, uh, and, and, and most of them were competitions. Some were cultural exchanges where we uh, went over and, and uh, just put on a dinner with, with some uh, culinary students from schools over there in the local area. But, um, you know, those team competitions are a lot of fun, too. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting to get into a, 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 a situation where you're working so closely with a bunch of people and and building some bonds and traveling internationally and, and everybody's relying on each other and, and everybody has each other's back. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a neat deal. I really enjoy it. Well, chef, I, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people learn more about you, um, the team uh, and the American Culinary Federation? Uh, American Culinary Federation, go to the acfchefs.org website and uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at Chef PD Mitchell, uh, and I also have on Facebook. I really don't go to Facebook. I, I, I time my Instagram posts to Facebook, but I can be found there. And uh, World Master Chef Society USA. It's um, it's actually EWMCSUSA.com uh, is our uh, our uh, website that they can find out more information about that. But, you know, the ACF is really the best place to find out information on competitions. They have a competition calendar to, to see what's out there. They have a calendar of events for certifications to see where they're being held around the country. And uh, I would encourage people to find a competition and go observe one first. A lot of times these are held at uh, food shows, you know, whether it be a Benny Keith food show or a Cisco food show or something like that, you know, uh, local chapters. We have 13 chapters around the state of Texas, so they're they're out there. Uh, go and observe and, and ask questions. You got a good good head of hair on you, by the way. I'm, <laughs> well, just, I'm just. I know this is kind of. I'm looking at your hair. It's like for people that can't see, it's like it's got a. I used to think that my hair was pretty good, but yours is pretty good. I think yours is better than mine now, actually. Yeah. It gets better with age. You got a better beard. You got the, I do, so it, uh... your, your beard, by the way, I've been meaning to ask you, what's up with the goatee? <laughs> Well, you know, I just uh, felt like I wanted if to. I, if for, I remember there was a point in time where you were anti-goatee, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a mustache for years and years and years. And I wanted to cha shave it off, but I had it for so long, I had to come up with a reason to shave. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a goatee. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it looks good on you. Your hair, your hair looks great, too. 
Um, chef, it's always great to see you. It's always it's always fun to catch up and uh, learn more about what you're doing and 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 educate uh, people on competitions. And you know, I, I definitely think that uh, I definitely think there's a huge amount of value that can get out of a competition as as a chef. It'll make you better. It'll make you more organized. And I and I think you said this to me once that you said from a competition standpoint. If you if you learn to compete, you raise your your culinary ability and your mental ability to a higher level, and only good things can come out of that when they transfer back into the the daily operations of the kitchen. Absolutely, yeah. Because in a competition, you have to work at a at a very high level of um, proficiency, and you have to do that at an extended for an extended period of time. So when you're doing that during practice sessions and during the actual competition and all that, when you go back to the kitchen, you're not going to say ah old habits. Okay. Let's go back to it. You, you, that's the way you work now. If that's the way mm-hmm. you work, your team sees the way you're working and they start kind of doing the same thing, emulating what you're doing. You know, it, like you say, only good things can come from that. One of the things that we always have a, a criteria on the, the cutting board, we call that sacred ground and nothing goes on that cutting board except food and the knife that you're using. You don't put and, Bob, and Bobby Flay's feet. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't put a spot on there from the stove. You don't put a case of zucchini on there because you don't know where that case of zucchini was. It was probably on the floor of a truck, may have been on a floor in a kitchen somewhere, and then you're putting it on that cutting board. So, so just kind of think of that as as sacred ground and and, and your your space and and work around and keep that organized as you work. So many of the things that that you taught me. I still carry with me today in the kitchen, obviously, right? You know, we're a product of the mentors that came before us, but I tell everyone what goes on a cutting board, food, that's it. Nothing else goes on the cutting board, just food, no boxes, no pots, no pans, just food. You don't play it on a cutting board. You don't do any of that. A cutting board is for cutting. So I was actually having that conversation the other day with someone about explaining that nothing goes on the cutting board, but food. But, you know, it reminds me of the times that we worked together. And those were a lot of the great habits that, that you instilled in me. So you should know that I carry on the tradition. You know, Andre, I'm so proud when I see the things coming out of your your uh, kitchen and your, you know, uh, Instagram posts or or different things like that. The team that you've assembled down there, the work ethic that you guys all have, it, it just uh, is is really uh, heartwarming to see the levels that you've achieved and and the things that you you're doing down there. Um, you've got just an awesome team and. Uh, heck of a kitchen back down there uh, that people all enjoy working in it and they all have respect mm-hmm. for each other and they they all respect the kitchen and, and the environment too well, well thank you chef and my instagram posts are amazing they're full of cigars and jokes if anyone's paying attention i don't know if anyone's paying attention but there, there's uh there's lots of jokes in there there's levels if you're if you're paying attention but anyway chef jokes. we could talk we could talk about their jokes yeah oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you guys they're most of them are inside jokes you know like if you're if you pass the salt you also pass the pepper i'm sure you know uh, <laughs> lots of inside jokes uh, well anyway chef good seeing you good you catching too. up yeah. you're you're a prince you be good <laughs> okay Andrew. you take care all right bye-bye. take care bye-bye